Okay, so um, I've been asked to preach again on, on Colossians, which I was really excited about when I saw we were doing this book. And this is a particular passage that I really like. So the first preach that I did in chapter one was a, a passage I really like. So this is as well. So here we go. So we've got Colossians 3 verses 1 to 4. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not, not th on things that are on earth. For you have died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will be, appear with him in glory. And I'm going to repeat that passage many, many, many times as I go through this, because I'm going to try and sort of pick it apart as we go through it. But just to give us a bit of context as to who we're talking to, is this is Paul talking to the church at Colossae. And it's not clear precisely what errors he was speaking against. And one of the things that a, a preacher that I like called David Paulson says about the letters, the epistles, is that we're look, we are looking at one half of a conversation. And that makes it, can make it difficult sometimes to work out what it is that Paul is, is talking about. So not that I'm saying scripture isn't clear, but he wrote that letter for a reason. He'd never been to Colossae. He didn't know the Colossian Christians. So something prompted him to say the things that he said to them. And it's clear that whatever it is they're doing, it's counter to the life and thought that's rooted in the life of Jesus Christ. That's because he's speaking against that. So that's important. So that's a bit of context. So let's dive into these verses. So I'm just going to read those first two verses again, and then I'm going to go through them. So, so verse one again, if then you were raised together with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. So that first phrase I'm going to take is, if then you were raised together with Christ, what is Paul talking about there? So back in chapter 2, Paul told the Colossian Christians that they'd been buried with Christ in baptism and raised with him from the dead. So that's the, the very first bit, 2 verses 1 and 2. So that verse parallels, oh no, sorry, that's 12, verse 12. That verse parallels what Paul was saying in Romans 6, 3 to 5, where he portrayed baptism as a burial and um, resurrection required. When we get baptized, some people think that we're being washed of our sins. And there is an element of that, but it's the, the, the picture that it's meant to be is one of death. As we go down into the water, we're dying. And then when we're raised up, we're raised to new life in Christ. That is what baptism is about. So, You've, yeah, so it's a portrayal of, of the burial and resurrection with Christ and the burial of the old before Christ person and the resurrection of the after Christ person to a new life. If we think about Paul's letter to the Galatians, because Paul often picks up the same themes again and again, even when he's writing to different churches, because the same things are true. So he spells it out in more detail when he talks to Galatians. And he says in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. That life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So what he's saying there is that he has, he has died and it's not him that's living. So the, the type of life that we have after we've accepted Jesus 
is different than the life we had before. It's a new life, and it's a life where we live by faith. And then the next phrase along in that, in that verse, in that verse one of chapter three is, seek the things that are above, where Christ is seated on the right hand of God. And the word seek there in the Greek is in the present tense, but it's in a tense that we don't have in English, so it's, it's difficult for us to understand, but it's the idea of that it's happening and it's continuing to happen all the time. So the Colossians Christians, when reading it, would have understood it in that way. So it's seek and keep seeking continually is, is what the, the sense of that is. So he's telling the, the Christians to seek and keep on seeking the things of above. So for, what does that mean for us? It means that this is a lifetime quest. It's not something that we do and stop doing. Right, I've, I've, I've sought Christ, I've done it, that's it. It's something we do every day as we're growing and we're, we're moving in our life with Christ. It's a journey and we keep doing it. And as a consequence of their new life in Christ, these Christians and us need to lift our eyes from the mud at their feet to the stars above. So part of this, this letter is about putting our eyes on Christ, that Christ is other than the life around us. And some, I don't know about you, but as I've, been, as I've been walking through this time that we've had in the pandemic and the time, time we've had, it, it can be really depressing and really despondent if we look at what's going on wrong around us. We can feel really depressed and like, like it looks like everything's going wrong. But if we keep our eyes fixed on him and we lift our eyes up, that's what we need to be doing. That, that will help us. So... We need to leave behind the concern with worldly things so that we can focus on the things, on the, on, have our concern on the things above. Above, after all, is where Christ now lives and reigns, the same Christ with whom they we were joined in baptism and resurrection. And Christ is seated on the right hand of God, meaning the place of honour. That's the place of honour. That's how they would have understood that. Drawing on another letter that Paul wrote to the Philippians, Paul says that because Jesus Christ was obedient even to death on a cross. So in Philippians 2, 9 to 11, God has highly exalted him and gave him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So it's that idea that, again, of, of being above that, that is there. So the next phrase in verse 2, it says, Set your mind on the things that are above, not on the things that are on the earth. And there is a word there, and I'm going to try and pronounce it, but I might pronounce it wrong, but I think it's phronete. Um, and in verse 1, so that's what mind is, that's the word that is translated mind. So in verse 1, Paul called these Christians to seek the things that are above. Now he calls them to set their minds on the things above. So the Greek word phronote has to do with understanding attitudes and mindset. So in the letter to the Philippians, Paul called them to take upon themselves the mind of Christ, who was equal to God, but didn't consider that equality something to be grasped. Instead, he emptied himself, came to earth in human form, and was obedient to death on the cross. So I've paraphrased... Philippians 2, 5 to 8 there. And therefore God highly exalted him. 
Again, another place where this comes up is in his letter to the Romans, where he says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, so that you may prove what is, good, well, what is the good, well-pleasing, and perfect will of God. Many people think of heart religion, or an emotionally-based faith, as superior to head religion, or faith with less emotional content. And while passionate faith is a good thing, the the Bible speaks more frequently of what we call head religion than it does heart religion. One of the key things that I sometimes forget, or, or maybe didn't understand until later, is heart is a literal word of the translation cardi. It's where we get the word cardiology from. It's, it's that root of the Greek word. But people in biblical times would have thought of their heart as the centre of their intellect and will. We, in modern times, think of it as the centre of our emotions. In ancient times, they thought their bowels were the centre of their emotions. So it's, they wouldn't have... I know, that's a bit of a strange... But which kind of makes sense, because they, when, you've got, when you are emotional, you have a, a sort of swimmy tummy. That makes sense. So they would have understood it that way. So when the Bible sometimes... When Paul uses the word heart... We might, our, our minds will go, oh, well, he means emotions. He doesn't necessarily. He, he often means head, head intellect stuff. And that's important to realise. So the Bible is call, call, you know, calling us over and over again to believe, which is a, a, a first and foremost a head-based activity. We shouldn't wonder why the Bible places such an emphasis on the mind, our intellect and the belief. People tend to act based on their beliefs. If they believe things that aren't true, then they will act on the false beliefs and they will suffer the consequences. If they've been well taught, so they believe what is true, they will benefit immeasurably from the teaching. And furthermore, faith is rooted in believing. And I've got, I've got a few scriptures to back up that idea. And faith is key to discipleship and salvation. So these are a lot of scriptures from Romans now. So for if we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of law, since God is one who will justify the circumcised by faith and the uncircumcised through faith, and to the one who does not work but believes in him, who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. He received the sign of circumcision as a seal of righteousness that he had by faith while he was still uncircumcised. So it's this idea of faith being the most important. The purpose was to make the father of all who believe without being circumcised so that the righteous would be counted to them as well. And to make him the father of the circumcised, we're not merely circumcised, but also work, walk the footsteps of faith that our father Abraham had before he was circumcised. I'm just going to skip over a couple of those. Yeah, and then Galatians 5, 5. Through, for through the spirit by faith, we ourselves equally await the hope for righteousness. So going back to the original Colossians verse, Paul contrasts the things that, were, uh, uh, the things that are above with the things that are on earth. And while he doesn't define here what he means by things of earth, his comments in verse 5 to 9 gives a good in insight into what he would categorize as the things of earth, things like sexual immorality, uncleanliness, and things like that. Um, and he's contrasting those two together. So if we move on to verses 3 and 4, we then got, it says in verse 3, For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ our life is revealed, 
then you will also be revealed with him in glory. So, for, so first phrase is, for you died. So death is a serious transition. It brings everything to an end. And in this case, the Colossian Christians and us have died to the old order. Their old selves no longer exist. But for them, death has not been the end. They have been raised together with Christ and raised to a new life. And then there's this curious phrase, which I've always liked and always been intrigued about, which is, your life is hidden with Christ in God. So what is, what is Paul trying to say here? And this is a, one of the paradoxes of the Christian faith, because we often talk about faith as being some, a time when things are revealed and things are understood, and there's a lot of everything coming out into the open. But there is also something that is m mysterious and hidden about God. And it's important to understand that too. So there's a good deal of hiddenness and mystery associated with God. So if we think back to Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, it says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. We are created beings, so we can't plumb the depths of everything that God is. So there's a lot in God that we can't understand. However, we're not required to plumb the depths of everything about God, to, to know God. God has revealed himself through the laws of the prophets and through the long history of the people of Israel. So that's what he wants us to know about him. And he's revealed it through Jesus. So Jesus is like the lock that allows us to fully understand it. So if you look back through the Old Testament, I've said this many times when I've preached before, you can see Jesus all the way through, all the way from the first verses of Genesis, all the way through. Jesus turns up in various places. He's there. I mean, he's part of God, so he's always there. But there's a, there's a very, there's a definite sense of him being there at various points. And so I've got some verses to pull that out. So when um, in, in the Gospel of John, when chapter 14, when Jesus is, is speaking to Philip, he says, and Jesus said to him, Philip, have I been so long and you do not still know me, Philip? Whoever has seen, seen the Father, how can you say, show us the Father? Because I think that, that's what Philip said, you know, how do we know that we know you? He said, look, if you know me, you know the Father, you know God. And then where, uh, another place in Matthew chapter 16, he's speaking to the disciples and he said to them, but who do you say I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Bar-Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father is in heaven. So what Jesus is talking about there is, there are things of God that get revealed to us when we believe and when we are a Christian. There are things that are easier for us to believe because they've been revealed to us by the spirit. So having the spirit of God in you makes it easier to understand what the Bible is saying. When you read it after you're a Christian, you see things in it that you don't see before you become a Christian, before you've received Jesus. So you can't see those things. So sometimes if we might get frustrated with somebody who is a non-believer, it's because their eyes haven't been opened to what, what is there and what has been revealed. And we need to remember that sometimes. And again, another place in, in Ephesians where, where Paul is writing, he says, to me, though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given 
this grace I'm talking about, to preach the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for the ages in God who created all things. So there is a sense in which those that are Christians can see something that those that are not Christians can't. And, and, and you know, those, of, those among us that have got a, a, you know, a, a heart for evangelism have, have got, almost got a particular anointing to be able to reveal those, help reveal those things to other people. Um, so nevertheless, the things of God remain unknown except to those who have chosen to believe. For those without faith, the divine secrets are imp as impenetrable as ever. So, but we impart, or we, we understand, a secret and hidden wisdom of God, which is, this is from 1 Corinthians, which God has decreed before the ages of our glory. None of the rulers of this age understood it, for if they had, they wouldn't have crucified the God of glory. And again, further on in 1 Corinthians, in, in, in um, I haven't put the chapter there, but it's verses 14 and, f and 15. Um, the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him. And he is not able to understand them, I think it's actually chapter 2, because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but, him, but is himself to be judged by no one. And then further on in chapter four, it says, in the case of the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel, the glory of Christ that is the image of God. It is in that sense that the lives of these um, Colossians Christians are hidden with Christ in God. Having been born again through their baptism, their death and resurrection with Christ, they have become different in ways that unbelievers cannot understand. Like the divine sequence, these Christians are hidden with Christ in God. So we've got a double hiddenness going on. And then on to verse 4. When Christ our life is revealed. First thing to notice here is that Paul says that Christ is our life. In his letter to the Philippian church, he said, for, to me, for me to live is, is Christ. And in his letter to the Galatian church, he said... I have been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I that live, but Christ living in me. That life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself up for me. So that's Galatians 2.20. So he's now suggesting what is true for him is true for all of us, all Christians, that Christ is our life. What are the practical implications of Christ being our life? For one thing, Christ makes us privy to eternal life, which involves the life we live here as well as the, the, the anticipating the life in the hereafter. So when we, when we died in our baptism or when, when we accepted Christ, that's when our new life began, and that life is never going to end. There's going to be a transition as our earthly body dies, but our life is going to continue, and that started now. And I think it's, it, I didn't really understand that until I'd been a Christian a few years, which was a bit of a, a revelation in that the new me is not going to die. I will carry on, and I'm going to do things on the other side, of, you know, in heaven that I don't know what, what he's got prepared for me. But what is happening to me here, and sometimes it can be helpful if we're going through trials, is to think what's happening to me here might be preparing me, it might be preparing me for things 
later in this earthly life, but it might also be preparing me for things that are going to happen there that I haven't got any idea about. So it's, it's important to kind of remember that and think about that. So, yeah, so it's a life we live here, as well as anticipating the life in the hereafter. In his high priestly prayer, just before his death, Jesus said, this is in John 17, this is eternal life, that they should know you, the only true God, and him, who, and him whom you sent, Jesus Christ. Eternal life has as much to do with quality of life as its quantity, although both quantity and quality are involved. Eternal life begins in the here and now and stretches beyond time. This means that the Christ-centered life that takes on a new character that is far more positive than the life we lived prior to knowing Christ. So it's like a navigator that possesses a compass that always points to true north. We can live with confidence that Christ is leading us aright, leaving us in the right direction. We might not be able to see around the next corner and our lives will have hardships, but our goal and direction is certain. We live in the promise that it is our Father's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. That's Luke 12, 32. And then the last part of um, you know, the, the next part of verse 4 is, is revealed. So the, so the revealing that Paul is talking about there is that Christ's second coming. At that time, everyone will see him for who he is, the Messiah, um, the Christ, the Son of God, and the Savior of the world. Okay. And then there are many times where um, Paul mentions that in letters so in in two thessalonians he says and to grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as us when the lord jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels and in in, in one corinthians um, chapter one so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift as you wait for the revealing of our lord jesus christ and then Peter also picks it up. So, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold, than, than perishes through that which is tested by fire, might be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And then further on, therefore preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that was brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So then at the, at the name of Jesus, so when Jesus comes back, at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow of those that are in heaven, those on earth, and those under the earth. So that's Philippians 2.10. And then the last part, then you will also be revealed with him in glory. When Jesus is revealed in glory, we will share that day with his disciples, those that have believed in him and tried to follow him. We too will be revealed, revealed in glory just as Christ was revealed in glory. And John confirms this when he says, we know that when he is revealed, we will be like him. And that's what I have to say. So thank you. Okay. Thank you, Emma. Dave, you want to come up and just, just lead us? Um, perhaps we could just sing again, um, Jesus, we had thrown you. That's the last one we sang, and uh, just let, let's stand together just as we respond to, to God's word, and uh, we just uh, reflect there as we have uh, this encouragement to um, both seek and to set our minds on things above. And what's that going to mean for us this week? What's that going to look like 
as we uh, seek to honor God, as we seek him and in every aspect of our life and whether it be in our workplaces, in our homes, in our um, studies, whatever place God has led us to. So let, let's st stand with me and we're going to worship and just sing again. But Father, we just, we just commit ourselves into your hands, Lord. And uh, Lord, we have been raised with Christ. If you are a, a Christian, if you've, if you've given your life to Jesus Christ, you've been raised with Christ. So Lord, we pray, help us to set our minds on things above. Help us to seek you with all that we have. So Holy Spirit, we again invite you to come and just to just plant your word deep within our hearts so that it changes us. So that you get the glory. Thank you, Lord.